house of the Lord, and I know I started a sermon this morning, and it sounded like preaching about Thanksgiving, and I, I know I used William Bradford because he uh, preached from Psalms 107 when uh, the Puritans landed in uh, <clears throat> up in the northeast. Um, it wasn't really at Plymouth Rock, but up in that area of the country. And I preached about giving thanks to God and knowing that, in fact, uh, this governor uh, wrote in his journal about Psalms 107. He quoted it. He uh, talked about it. And uh, it's a a very powerful psalm, and it opens up, uh, of course, these are the ones that are given credit with having the first Thanksgiving, and I, I mentioned this morning that I, I was one of my grandchildren, I think it might have been Tegan, of course, I've studied it with Siobhan as well, that was just uh, amazed at this uh, American Indian named Squanto that put fish in the ground to make the corn grow. Who would have thought, Papa, who would have thought that would help corn grow? And uh, we were talking about it one day as she was going through her schooling, and so uh, I began to, <clears throat> you know, remember, and I I looked it up, I remembered that he had quoted the Bible when he came, and I thought, I, I want to see. And I, as I began to look at it, I, I recognized that, in fact, um, this psalm starts off with, Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, and his mercy endures forever. And then, of course, knowing that the first, there, David wrote about four groups of people. Actually, I think to be more, uh, to be more uh, exacting, if you will, or precise, uh, maybe it was the same group of people, the Israelites, that had gone through four stages of being uh, whatever, uh, in their own way, rejecting God. Because some of this possibly could apply, obviously, to us and what, how the spirits that attack us and sort of the stages that we go through. And that first one in, in Psalms 107, 4 through 9 is basically about them having a feeling of being homeless, a feeling of being hungry, a feeling of being thirsty, a feeling of longing, wanting to belong, wanting to be a part, wanting to have, wanting to connect. And most people at some point have that feeling and then the enemy is able to kind of pluck that string and say, you don't belong, you're different, you're, you weren't raised. And I can think of 101 statements that I have heard numerous times about why the word doesn't apply to them or why the Spirit of the Lord can't impact them or why they're exempt or why they're different or why you don't understand. If you knew what I'd been through, if you knew where I'd been, if you understood and yet 
What David said is it doesn't matter. When you start feeling that, it's time to cry out unto God and begin to praise him for his goodness and for his mercy and to say, oh Lord, I'm so glad that I know who you are. You are a good God. You're a merciful God. And when you cry out, you will feel the presence of the Lord. And I, I realize that, and I mentioned this morning, I read from Deuteronomy where the children of Israel had been told they were going to go through this sense of homelessness and feeling that way, and that spirit would attack them if they disobeyed. And I, I understand that when you <clears throat> go through, a lot of times we don't want to <clears throat> blame ourselves. It's always somebody else is making me feel this way. If they would do this, if they would do that, if we had this, you know, well, if there were uh, if there were a hundred young folks, if there were five hundred, if there were ten thousand in our church, if there was, and that's the whole point, I could do it. And yet, you know what? That's a lie from the devil. It's just a lie from the devil. This is an individual thing that used to have to start. Oh, give thanks unto the Lord. He is good. 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 Doesn't matter what my life is like, but he is good. Doesn't matter how much money I have, he is good. Doesn't matter what I'm going through, he's still good. In that moment, and I, I mentioned that, the next group of people starting in, in verse 10 as you go forward um, is uh, Psalms 107, verse 10. And maybe it's the progression of the sin. You have a feeling of being distant and homeless and not connected. And before long, what's the next group that happens? What happens sort of next? Such as sit in darkness in the shadow of death, bound in affliction and iron. You know, if you isolate yourself long enough, guess where you'll sit? I don't, I just can't worship. I don't feel it. I, I don't know. May I, do you feel anything? I don't feel anything. I don't know. I don't know why that doesn't, doesn't hit me that way. And then the enemy's job is to bind you in affliction and iron. Put your feet in iron. Because he believes that if he can get you bound enough, it'll stop the praise. Paul and Silas proved him wrong in the New Testament. Anybody remember the little story? Hmm. You know, others, they were bound, put in between squadrons of soldiers, and the Bible says about midnight, what they begin to do? Oh, give thanks unto the Lord, 
for he is good. The Bible says they begin to sing and to praise. What are you talking about? I don't care if it's literal, physical iron that the enemy tries to put on you or some addiction or some problem or some habit or something that the enemy can bind you with. The only way I know of breaking it is to begin to praise and magnify God. Every time you get a chance to be in the house of the Lord, every time time you get a chance to raise your hands, every time you get a chance to say, oh, the Lord is good and greatly to be praised. I'm going to praise him. And, and these verses say why they got bound. You know why they were bound? Because they rebelled against the words of the law of God. And they refused the counsel. They wouldn't listen to anybody. You know, you could tell them, man, you need to just come on and worship and praise God. I don't want to do that. Huh? It's what it says. I, I, David preached this sermon. Don't blame me. Therefore, God brought their heart down, brought down their heart with labor. They fell down and there was none to help. It was like, I'm going to drag you behind this car. And you know what? I don't know which one was. But David said, then... It dawned on them. <laughs> then they said, you know what? It's stupid for me to be in this pig pen when my dad's got servants at home, I'd rather arise and humble myself and be a servant and just talk about how good my dad is. I'd rather go and just say, Dad, you are good. Will you just make me a servant? I know you're good enough. I don't deserve to be your son, but if you just make me, huh? Remember that story? Well, here's what happened. Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And you know what the Lord did? He brought them out. He saved them from all their distresses and he brought them out of darkness and of the shadow of death and he broke everything that was trying to bind them. I'm talking about a God that can break every addiction, every problem, anything that the enemy has tried to do. And then he says it like this, Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men, for he hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sun, asunder. What are you saying? Regardless of whether you're sitting in the shadow of death, sitting in darkness, or in affliction, or a prison of your own making, they rebelled and ignored the counsel of God. I don't believe everybody that gets 
caught up as necessarily rebelling against God, but every affliction is not necessarily against their, uh, you know, they've done wrong, but it doesn't matter. If you are feeling so bound and pressed, I'm talking about a God that is willing to set you free if you will humble yourself and start crying out for his goodness and his wonderful works. He can break every bar. He can brass every bar of iron. I'm talking about a God that whenever Jesus went to the synagogue, he picked it up and he said, let me read to you from the book of Isaiah. For the spirit of the Lord is upon me and he hath anointed me to preach unto you. And you remember what one of the things that he said? To, let me see, I might have it on that next slide. No, I, I, I don't think I did. Let, let, let me show you. What are you talking about? He said, I've come to set the captives free. I've come to release those that are bound. You read it in Luke the, Luke, the fourth chapter. He said, I'm here to tell you I can do with one word. I can release you. I can set you free. I can give you a new direction. If you'll just begin to worship and magnify and praise me. Isaiah, the 61st chapter, is, quotes it. This is what he quoted to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound. Right. I'm here to tell you, I know a God that can set you free. But if you don't keep worshiping, praising, he just wraps you up tighter and tighter. And then the 17th verse, third level if you will, of Dante's Inferno. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities are afflicted. Their soul abhors all manner of meat. They not draw near to the gates of death. You know, the word fool, you know why that's an important word? Because the Bible's very clear that he says, call no man a fool. But you know what it does say? A fool has said in his heart, there is. When somebody starts feeling homeless and then they go through and they get bound by sin, then before long they just, I don't even know if there is a God. I'm not sure. And I've seen people reach that stage. And you think, you used to worship, praise, shout. What do you mean you don't know? Huh? But at that moment, you say, well, there's no hope for them. You know what the Lord said? If they will at that point they're so bound, they cannot believe in God anymore. They're not even sure if there is a God. But even then, if they will cry unto the Lord in their trouble, he will save them out of their distresses. He sent his word. What are you saying? And deliver them for their, from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness. Oh, that men 
men would praise him for his goodness. What are you saying? For his wonderful works and the let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare his works with rejoicing. Yes. Sorry, you got to get a little emotional about it. If you want to break this spirit that's trying to pull you into prison, you got to you got to say these words, declare his works with a little rejoicing. And you go, well, I'm not sure what rejoicing is. Well, follow me to an OSU football game. Or... Huh? Oh, go without a shirt. I'm going to paint my face red. I'm going to stand up for the whole time. I've only been to one. It was when my daughter was in school and Rachel. And they got me tickets and didn't tell me it was in the student section. <laughs> oh, pastor, you'll love it. I lasted, did I make it to halftime? I'm not even sure I made it to halftime. My ears were bleeding. <laughs> I couldn't see because I couldn't sit down. If you sat down, you were, <laughs> And I don't care, go, do that. But I want to see you rejoice in church the same way. <laughs> huh? Oh, now, in here, you know. Be still and know that I am God. That's not what David said. He said, when you've been bound and you've been feeling like you don't even know where the next, well, you know, you can't look up because you're not sure where direction up is. He said, that's when you start having to say, Lord, I thank you. Lord, you're good. I've got to do it with a little rejoicing. Lord, you're great and greatly to be praised. Oh, God, I praise you. Oh, God, I love you. Oh, God, I don't feel like doing this now. But you know what? I believe you said you would break every pan, you would break every chain. All right. Sorry, I got to get through this sermon and it's six o'clock. Next verses are the fourth one. And I think maybe this is why William Bradford was so moved by this passage. Because he said, they that go down into the sea in ships yep. that do business in great, great waters. waters. Yeah. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. And then he says, he commands and raises a stormy wind. I'm just trying to escape. It feels like the whole world, they had lost five people on the journey over. Everything is turned upside down. And he says, they mount up to heaven, they go down into the depth. That boat, I'm sure, was hitting the waves, going up and down across the Atlantic as it came to America. 
and he said, their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man at their wit's end. But even those that are, whether they went to try to escape for religious freedom or they were trying to escape the persecution or whatever it was, he said, if at that moment when they feel all hope is lost, if they will cry unto the Lord in their trouble, he is going to bring them out of their distresses. He will make the storm like a calm. He will make the waves be still so that they are glad because they be quiet. So he bringeth them unto their desired haven. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for his goodness for his wonderful works let them exalt him in the congregation of the people and praise him in the assembly of the elders I'm here telling you tonight about a God that can calm any storm when the disciples were overwhelmed and they didn't know what to do and they had the audacity to say don't you care he said, what? Peace, be still. That's how powerful he is. Oh, that men would praise him if they could have just praised him. He goes on, wraps it up. The last 10 verses, he turns the rivers into a wilderness, the water springs into dry ground, fruitfulness into barrenness, wickedness of them that dwell therein. He turns wilderness into water, dry ground into water springs, hungry will, find, will be fed, that he can prepare a city for a habitation. He goes on, he says, you know what he does on these last 10 verses? He basically starts in by praising the Lord because he says, you can do anything, God. You can turn it all around just in a moment. You can make the rivers go into desert. You can make the dry places become fruitful. You can do it all. He says, the righteous shall see it and rejoice. And all iniquity shall stop her mouth. I'm going to tell you something. I know it looks like it's all the world's going crazy, but there's going to come a time when every knee shall bow and every... Whoso is wise and will observe these things, even them that have under... That, that even... They shall understand the what? Loving kindness. Loving kindness of the Lord. You know what you have to keep your mind on in this hour? The loving kindness of God. I, I, I don't know what else to, I, I can't think about what you're going through and you're going through and you're going through. You're going through and you're going through and you're going through. You know what I have to refocus my mind on? Lord, you are great. 
greatly to be praised. Oh, you know, and, and I understand, it, it, you know, we can get busy, but you know, at some point you got to find a place to start praising the Lord. If it's, you know, out on the back 40, if it's down at the altar, you got to refocus. You know what's most important? God is loving and kind. God is merciful. God is so good. I don't know what's going to happen, but I thank the Lord that I know who he is. Oh, that men would praise him. Let's stand. Hallelujah.